Oh, boy. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of Pew Time with Tony. And Jackie. And special guest. Rob. Yeah. Rob. <laughs> Yay! So very happy that you're joining us today. Um, Man, do we have some questions for you today. First of all, uh, I know you and Tony, your history, you guys go back farther than me and you knowing each other. Um, You guys actually met through the PSTG group. Well, see, it's really weird. So when I met you in person, Rob, I feel like we knew about each other through Instagram. We probably did. You know. Like, because I like, I didn't know who Rob was until I saw him. I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen his videos. Like, <laughs> I've seen him shoot. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely, we definitely probably have like just cross, just watching each other's videos that kind right. of thing. It's like you knew, but that's kind of how Instagram is, right? You feel like you know somebody before you before you actually beat them. Right, but that's where we met in person. We ended up training for quite a quite a while. Was at the PSTG the first summit. Yeah, yeah. I remember we shot the uh, we shot Juan Six uh, practice session together. Mm-hmm. Back in the A zone, I showed you the the sewing machine drill that I yep. just put up on the on the forum recently. You know, that's it was a good time, man. I had a good time with you. Uh, which brings me to how we met, also Instagram. <laughs> um, I know everyone who listens to the podcast is pretty familiar with my dry fire December challenge that I did last year. And then a couple other like dry fire challenges that I've done sporadically, you know, a few before then and since then. But every time I posted any of my dry fire video footage, you always had some really constructive criticism to give me on what I could be doing, um, different things I could try, um, things that I was doing way wrong and didn't realize. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's all good. Sure, <laughs> of course. Um, but it was really nice to have you in my corner giving me something besides a, uh, you know, a thumbs up emoji to uh, reaction to my story and actually like giving me something to help me. Um, so I do really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes, you know, for me, I really enjoy helping people. You know, I, I enjoy helping people get better. I enjoy answering questions. You know, I'm the kind of person when when I teach people that I tend to be more positive, right? But I won't ignore anything that I see. You know, you, you know, there's no reason to beat people up, especially like we're all adults. Like there's no reason to make people feel bad. You know, it's it's about being positive and and telling people what they need to get to the next step. You know, that's what's important. You instruct people in a very similar fashion to Tony. I just don't want my husband telling me what to do. So it's nice to <laughs> nice to hear it from someone besides him. And then, of course, um, because of that, he got the whole, yeah, I know you told me this. And he goes, I told you so. <laughs> well, it's just it's just re, it's just reassurance that Tony is guiding you in the right way. That's all. <laughs> but for those of you that don't know, uh, Rob's allowed to give advice because this year, low cap nets were eighteenth. Yeah, eighteenth. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he doesn't suck. Like <laughs> he's, he's a pretty good shooter. Yep. Uh, master class in production. Yep. Just shy GM. Need one more. Eh. Yeah. I like seeing you kick people's asses without the G card. It's pretty funny. 
it does, you know what? It, there was a point in time where I was, you know, concerned about it and it got to a point where it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, I'm going to win one way or the other and that, and that G card is going to come one way or the other. It's, right. it's inevitable with the amount of time and effort I put into it. So I would rather focus more on what I need to do to get, to hit my next goal, to hit, you know, to win the next match that I'm looking to win. Like, those things are more important to me. The development of, of myself versus just trying to get, you know, a different letter. The letter will come with the effort and the goals that I have. So. 100%. I would say to most people, you are most known for your weapons manipulation. Yes. Uh, you are astonishingly fast. <laughs> Appreciate that. Like, I would say for people that have not been in the shooting world as long, you may remember, because I'm sure you've seen the video. 10, 12 years ago, there was a video of Travis Tomasi. Yep. Doing a reload with his open gun. Uh, I don't, I don't remember the specific, specific video, but I know, I know Travis Tomasi with some of the stuff that he does. Yeah, it's just him in a room with his open gun and you can just, Type in YouTube, world's fastest reload. Yeah. And you'll just see, it, literally the noise is just, <laughs> <laughs> and most people nowadays, the new shooters, they don't know that. Yeah. Now when I show them videos, like I show yours, I'm like, look at that. Like, <laughs> and that doesn't, have, that doesn't have a mag well. Right. right. So well, I, I would say that's why you're, most people know when I say your name, they're like, oh, yeah, the dude that reloads fast. <laughs> or the dude that has the crazy fast draw. Yeah. I, yeah. My draw isn't super fast. I mean, it's reasonable, but, but my reload is really what sets me apart from a lot of people. My, my, my fastest shot to shot at this point in a four aces kind of form is a 73. Wow. Yeah. Fast yeah. oh. I got on was 77, but 73 is the best. Wow. Was it, it was, was it an alpha? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fucking impressive. <laughs> gotta be, man. Ugh. I mean, it's awesome if you could do it, but, but, you know, you, you gotta be able to do it with, with the alpha. You know, now, that's not something that I would consider to be repeatable because the amount of effort that it takes to do that and attention it creates is right. super challenging. But like, yeah, for me, like, four, like a four aces run, you know, at seven yards, like, 210, 220s reasonable for me. Right. You know, draw, reload in the nines, like, just comfortable. So, I guess we'll just go off beat here for a second. Yeah. It's not even, like, do you even see the benefit of doing something that fast? Like, it's cool to know that you have the ability to, but to train to get down that low, you should probably focus somewhere else. I would agree with you. Yeah. I'd say once you get to a certain minimal accepted standard yeah. that it's smarter to take that effort and put it somewhere else because yeah. the amount of effort to get from point nine to point eight to point seven is a lot more you right. know at the time i just happened to be obsessed with it and you know i i train a lot too so it's not like it wasn't taking time away from other stuff but in the same token i probably could have put that time to other stuff you know what i mean yeah but you know for someone like you that's obsessed with training to you, that's a break. 
Yeah, like it takes you away from training for this match. Like, oh, I'm just going to take this day off and I'm going to try and get one of the fastest fucking reloads on the planet. <laughs> yeah, oh. mission accomplished. <laughs> actually, I did that when I did that seven three. Like, I, I shot I shot the Long Island Championship like earlier that day, and I was just I don't know I was just annoyed. I, I wasn't I wasn't totally happy with with how I did. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to set new record for myself. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I want to do. And I won't, I'm not going to stop until I do it. And it took a little bit of time, but I got it, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a break in a sense, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, I'm focusing real hard on this. Let me do something that I really enjoy. Right. And reloads are one of the things that you can enjoy just as much in dry fire as you can in live fire. Like there's the same satisfaction of being able to do it well. I think I prefer dry fire because I can put something in front of me where I don't have to like constantly bend down to pick stuff up. Oh yeah, I back bend down every time. Especially <laughs> in the morning because I dry fire in the morning and I'm like super stiff in the morning. So I'm like, Ugh, like, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first couple times I bend down to get the mag, my old body is just like, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> I'm just doing reloads in the morning is a good uh, back stretching, yoga, start your day, get your body moving. Yeah, yeah. But hey, by the time I'm done, by the time I'm done training in the morning, I'm like ready to go. Like, nice. I can work out right after that. But first thing, it's like, oof. It is, so it is a little. Yeah. Would you call yourself a gun guy or a shooter? How did you get into the gun world? So, so I got into the gun world. I originally first built my my first rifle. I built an air an air fifteen, um, and that was in two thousand and eight. Right. 2008, you know, I, I, I built a couple of rifles after that. I, you know, I was the gun guy where I bought like a whole bunch of different guns at the gun show. Um, most of them were rifles. I got my pistol license and New York sucks for everything, everything guns, but pistol license especially. Um, I got my pistol license in 2009 and I bought a 1911. Um, cause that's the first gun you buy, right? It's when you get a, when you buy throwing a party right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'd done like, you know, just casual, like zombie themed three gun shoots. Like I'd done one or two of those over, over the, the next couple of years. Um, 2010, I, I, I got to a motorcycle accident and I, I broke my pelvis and I dislocated my knee and I ripped a couple muscles in, in half. And to this day, I still can't lift my right foot. Um, but that from nerve damage. I I was playing volleyball competitively at the time, and I played basketball very competitively up into college. And uh, so so playing sports like that wasn't really going to happen because the cutting required to be able to play at a high level. I I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> shooting shooting became the next thing for me, and I, I'd start off in like the defense world. Took a whole bunch of classes, got my instructor certification. Uh, did that for a couple years, and then. The competitive bug bit me again in 2018. April 2018 is when I started competing. Like, like, hey, listen, like, now it's time to to get to the top of the world, like the competitive world. So yeah. I would consider myself a shooter more than a gun guy. I don't really have many guns, but the ones that I have get used quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, I probably don't want to harp on the topic, but I want people to understand, like, the dude, like. For lack of a better word, you got a bum right foot. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I can only 
push, I can only push down and rotate in. I can't move out and I can't move up. Like, I have a, a brace that, that holds my foot in a neutral position. Oh. Yeah. Dude took 18. Oh, and I'm going to go a bit further than that, man. I'm not stopping there. <laughs> that minute right there. And still climbing. Yeah. 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 So, man. So, if you don't mind talking about it, what was sure. your journey like trying to figure out a way around it? Because we still technically cut in the same aspects as, like, a basketball player does. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, we're usually not on hard floors. Right. Um, and we do have a little bit more planning. It's not as so, such abruptness. Right. As we're not playing, like, it's a It's not defense. reaction. Right. Yeah, it's planned, so we can plan how we're going to do things. I'm sure that helps. But what was your journey to get back up and to make it work for you? So, um for one, you know, I was always very agile, and I still am to this day. Uh, but what, I guess, I guess, what really happened for me was that my mind learned how to do it in a different way, right? So, so I can still balance reasonably well. I had, I always had good balance, but I can still balance reasonably, reasonably well even on this foot. But it comes from, it comes from the top down. Like, like most people, your balance, you, your ankle, you know, articulates in different ways so that you can maintain balance, right? For me, it actually has to come from, like, my hip, my hip and my knee to get to get balanced. As far as cutting, the brace holds me in place, right? So I still have a good amount of stiffness in my in my foot, right? So I can still plant, plant and push off pretty hard. I just don't have the, the additional balance that I would on a normal foot. So I don't get it from the ankle. I get it from, from up above. So... Uh, one thing that helped me a lot is strength training, right? So strength training, once I started getting stronger, um, you know, my body's able to compensate a lot better, right, without fatiguing or without injuring myself. Um, lately, I've been doing a lot more movement-specific training. So you guys, you guys know Brandon, right? Brandon Powers, you guys have a class mm-hmm. with him, right? Um, he's he's been been giving me some some information in terms. of, Things I could do for movement, you know, deceleration, acceleration work, um, some other stuff too. Uh, the idea is that I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try to host the first class over here in New York. But uh, like all that stuff has been super helpful. What I learned actually is that I needed to learn how to move again. You know, after after my my accident, so I I, I moved differently. Like I didn't run the same as I as I used to. I didn't I wasn't as aggressive in my cutting or, um, and Basically, I need to, to learn all that over again to be effective, to be more effective, right? That's where I'm going to gain. At Nationals, for me, I saw a lot of time to gain in, like, position entry and um, and just moving spot to spot a little bit more aggressively, you know, being able to shoot a little sooner that way. Field core skills, basically. I get it. Not to the extent, like, I'm not comparing R2, but my accident, when I finally got back on the course – from my foot healing up, I was just, I was super scared to enter a position hard. Yep. I was like, yeah, I could just tell things weren't different. I wouldn't leave nearly as hard. Like, if I had to leave a left position and go right, I would leave a lot harder than right yep. going left. Mm-hmm. And That's- same thing. I worked with Brandon, and he started to kind of show me some things when I started healing more training specifically for that. Right. And then it just became a non-issue. 
Uh, yeah, and 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 I, I think a lot of people underestimate the value of that kind of training. Oh yeah, big time. So and this is shooting. This is a shooting community in general. Like we put a lot of emphasis on this cold on-demand performance. Our sport is not cold on-demand performance. It's not. You may not be shooting, but you're. It's not cold and on-demand. Like if you can link your programming of the stage and you can make it as close to you shooting a stage as possible, right? With walkthrough techniques and walkthrough skills that allow you to basically translate right over into live fire, that's not really cold and on demand. You basically shot that stage a bunch of different times. And that's, and that's the thing, right? So another thing that people are like, they think that, well, you got to do all the movement with the gun in your or, or you have to do vision only on targets. Like it's while, while shooting, if you're, if you're looking to reach the top and shooting, yes, shooting and dry fire and live fire is the priority. Right. It has to be. That's where it has to be. But using these additional supplements can really improve your ability to do those things well. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I really I think it plays to our sport still really. I mean, we're just now getting into like the compared to other sports. We're like in the toddler phase. Yeah. You know, I mean. Compared to everybody else, you know, back then, you know, basketball, you just had to be really tall, right? You can yeah. suck at everything else. But now that's not the same. you got to be a powerhouse. Right. You know, no offense to Robbie. Yes, Robbie was an athlete back then, but not when you compare him to Christian or JJ or Max. Right. You know, those are different athletes. And that and that's kind of the way the sport is going to evolve as it becomes yeah, yeah. Right. And as and as people are looking to win, right, myself included, it's you have to think differently. You have to be different. Like you have to be that next level that nobody has seen yet. Right. In order to get past the guys who are at the top of that game. You know, you always have to try to think of the next thing that, hey, this nobody's doing this. Try to try to do it. See what happens. You know, Well, that's been my biggest trigger. I mean, I've been working with Jackie dialing in more my nutrition because can I keep up raw stage times with you and some of the other like top guys? Sure. But I'm super winded halfway yeah. through a match. Like That's I have to work twice as hard to get me moving, to get me stopped. And yep. it's just to a point now where it's like, if I didn't have that, it would make life a lot easier, not just in general, but just in my sport. Absolutely. You know, like you would have a lot more, a lot more stamina and you'd, you'd be able to, and that, so, so it's not even just, you think about our sport, like we're standing for nine hours to shoot for two minutes, three minutes, and the better you are, the less you shoot, right? So, so that conditioning to be able to, I wouldn't necessarily say you have to be able to run a lot and have a lot of endurance in terms of running or sprinting, but you do need a lot of endurance to be able to be on your feet and walk around all day long. Right. Not only that from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint as well. Right. It is super important. You know, I've, I've lost, I've lost quite a bit of weight at times. So I think, uh, 2017, I lost like 50 pounds. I used to be about 260. Now I sit around 210. Um, I gained some of that weight back and then I lost another 30 pounds starting in 2020. You know, gained some of it back on purpose so that I can gain strength. 
you know, but strength, a strength training program, dude, and a good, good nutrition plan, it's gonna, it's gonna help out a lot, you know. But if, well, so, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it goes along with your goals, right? So, so my goal is, is, is to reach the top, right? And truthfully to win multiple national championships within the next couple of years, you know. So, Everything that I do kind of has to be along the lines of that thing. There's no, like people say you have a choice, but it's an illusion of choice when your goal is, is to be something, right? And especially if it's a very lofty goal, like you have no choice. No, I have to do this. You have to do this way. You know what I mean? That's the thing, like that's your choice, right? Instead of people having more than one choice, your choice is to win. Right. Right. So the things you have to do to win, that's just it. You have to do those to do your choice, right? You want to win. That's your choice. Right. Everything else has to follow that. It has Period. to. Nutrition, sleep, right. exercise, you know, managing managing everything so you don't burn yourself out. You know, that's another important thing. You don't injure yourself from overuse. You know, you're taking care of the, the muscles that need to work. You're, you're increasing the volume appropriately so that you can actually handle an hour dry fire session, gripping the gun as hard as you can, and not, not, have anything other than training sort. Right. You know, people think I'm lying. Like when I got new students that learn to grip a gun properly, they're like, oh yeah, I did an hour. There's no way, dude. Because I know guys like me or Rob, there's no way you're brand new lasting an hour. It's not happening. Your hand, no. you know, your hand will be all scrunched up. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's no, time no, to build no. up to that. Be bleeding. So like, so like, you know, nope. The, the people watching this can't see it, but you guys can probably see that. Can you see my knuckle? Yeah. Right. Can you see the size of this right knuckle yeah. from all across, right? That's one of the calluses. You probably have it too. Yep. 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 So like over here, from where where my where my hand contacts on the draw, right? All that stuff had to be developed. Like where my where my palm support hand palm hits the grip panel. All that stuff. I used to, you know, at this point I could shoot. 2,000 rounds in a day and, and, and not have any hotspots just because that's accumulated over time. Right. But like, if you're doing that a month in, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be hurting <laughs> if you don't save it up. No kidding. Yeah. You know? I would say for you, how, see if you can articulate this to people because I notice it as a guy that just knows you and looks at how you shoot at a match on the outside because it's things I pay attention to. Sure. You're a guy, we were just talking about mental stamina. You're a guy I see, and tell me if I'm wrong, I don't think I am, on this one, you have no problem turning off and on. Like, I see you, two, three shooters, you turn on, you step away. Other than that, Rob's joking, Rob's having fun. Yeah. And then when it's go time, Rob's nowhere to be found. Until he shoots, and then as soon as he's done hitting approve, Rob's back to having fun until it comes time to go time again. Right. No, you're you're 100 percent right on that. Like something I learned, something I learned last year was um, you cannot be 100 percent dialed in the entire day. It's right. not it's not going to happen. You're going to burn yourself out halfway through or three quarters of the way through the match and tank. You know. So I learned to kind of turn turn it on, turn it off. Um, I'm still working on that process to get even more, even more like what I would consider to be savage. Like, like three, four, three, four shooters out. Like I am just 
in the zone, like, like I turn into an entirely different person, you know, I, I, you know, like Kobe Bryant talks about it and, and he, he has the mamba, right? Yeah. The black mamba. The second he steps into those lines of the court, he becomes a black mamba, you know, and that's what I'm working on right now. But the, but the premise is the same. Like once you get to a certain point for me, it's usually I'm like the fourth shooter or so, like fourth shooter, fifth shooter in. I start to like, start to distance myself and start to put myself where I need to be. But like you said, the second you hit approve, you know, I'll take, I'll take whatever, whatever feedback from, from the stage, good, bad, or whatever, right? Once I'm done filling out my mags, everything, everything's done, you know, disconnect, relax, learn how to get in and out of that hyper focus zone. Um, Ooh, Jackie, who else do you know that's been doing that lately? This guy. Yep. Same thing. I'm having yeah. the time of my life at a match. That's and so awesome. it's like two shooters. Then it's like ready. It's time to go. Yeah. And it's poor. It's important, man. That's going to, that's going to create great, great gains from you mentally for sure. Well, and it makes, it makes the whole day better. Like I yeah. don't leave a match now. Like how am I going to drive home? I'm all brain fogged. Like I don't have that anymore. Yeah. Right. And I, I really started working on it after nationals. Yeah. Uh, not this year's, last year's nationals. Sure. Because it was just like three days back to back to back doing it. That was my first nationals. Yeah, mine too. It also didn't help that it was your first nationals and you were trying to stay hyper focused the entire time with gear you've never ran before. Yeah. So you had so much more focus yeah. on your head. Yep. I tried not to let it bother me, but that's, that was the big change. Like, that's when I knew, like, something has to change because I can't, there's no way. Sustain it. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's, it's hard, it's hard for anybody to stay, sustain that all day. So you what know? are you doing to work, you say you're working on it, how are you working on being able to turn on and off like that? Like, what are things you're making sure you're doing at a match? So, so it's really just keying into how I'm feeling, right? Like, so I'm trying, I'm actually working on like triggers. So like things, things that are unique to me that start to start to flip that switch, right? So things that I've noticed like that help me, right? When I, for me, I'm a low key kind of dude. Like I'm not, I'm not super hyped up. I'm not like super intense energy kind of, kind of person. I'm intense, but I'm, but I'm not like, like a like a high strong kind of individual. Right. Like I'm very very easy going, very calm. I would probably agree. Very, yeah. <laughs> so so one thing I started doing was and this was last year. I'm 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 kind of playing around with it now, but last year I'd pretend like I'm about to do like a like a heavy set of deadlifts. Right. You know, so when I'm getting when I'm getting ready to do like a heavy a heavy set of deadlifts, like I'm starting to breathe shallow, I'm starting to get like real, real tight, like and really start to psych myself up. Like I want, I want that feeling of what people would consider nervousness. I want to be, it's not nervousness. It's just what you make of it. So I consider it excitement. Right. I know that when I find that that feeling is there, I know that the stage is going to go better. Right. So I'm trying to artificially put myself in that, in that moment. You know, um, for me, my mind is more of a turtle, right? Whereas my body's very naturally quick. So it's a constant battle that I have to fight. And my body has to win, right? Otherwise, I'm too slow. 
I'm just going to be this real conservative engineer type shooter where it's like, okay, you know, make sure I get everything that I need. And I'm just going to shoot like a pussy right on. Well, that plays to your background, right? I mean, you're an engineer. Yes. And the price for engineering is very high. Right. (laughs) That's that's interesting. It's funny. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it's funny you say the deadlift thing because I do the same thing like for start positions. Yep. I try and think to myself, I need the same feeling right now as if I was doing sled pushes in the gym. That's how I need to leave this position. Yep. And that, like that, that triggering, it works. Like you know how that feels, right? Right. So oh, yeah. let's replicate that. And that's why I like the first stage too. Like I like first stage. The first stage, I like when I go first. Like I like all that stuff because it puts me in a state where I know that when I feel that way, I'm gonna, I'm gonna generate perform better. Yeah. Right. So that's important. And then now, like the triggers, kind of, kind of moving around differently. Like I'm, like I'm almost. Like, I'm almost, like, gritting my teeth, like, like, my face starts doing some weird shit, like, it starts, it, you know, you'll, you'll see, like, we shoot a mask again, kind of see me start to do it, like, you'll see, you'll know when I'm starting to try to put myself in that, in that, in that spot. And the idea is to literally be able to put myself, you know, you have, like, uh, like Dexter, right, talks about the dark passenger, like, that's what I want coming out in that moment, right? Every other moment, I'm, I'm, I'm Rob, I'm normal, you can talk to me, right? But in that moment, like, I want that that side of me, that savage to come out and be able to literally just, just destroy what's in front of me, you know? And that's, it, it's a challenge, right? Cause I used to be that way when I played basketball, when I played volleyball, I used to be very, very intense. You know, I used to, well, I used to shit talk people, but you know, <laughs> sounds like somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I used to be very much like that, but, but, you know, with the accident and with, you know, me teaching people, I kind of get away from that a bit, understandably so, right? Because I want to help people, right? But I have to, that's what I'm, what I'm sourcing now is, is finding that, that balance, right? Being able to pull that guy, that guy that I want in the situation and then be able to turn into just the normal guy that I am outside of that. You know, if you guys ever get a chance, I read, um, I read a book by Tim Grover. Right. Tony literally just wrote relentless question mark. Yep. And showed it to me just now. We were just going to bring that up. Yep. Let me tell you this. Relentless for one, but winning is the second book, and that's even better. I'm midway I, through. Yeah. And, and, and I even signed up for his relentlessness because I'm like, like something was telling me, like, like God was like, hey, listen, like you, you need to sign up for this thing right now. Right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you 100% it's worth it because I've been through it. Oh, I'm doing it now. I did it yeah. four times already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's what learning from Tim was probably one of the single best things I've ever done. Dude, I was like, I tell you, I read, I read winning. So I read relentless a couple of years ago. And then I read winning and I literally watched like 20 hours of his interviews. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this, this is like, this is where I need to be. Like, this is what I need to bring out. You know, and it got me thinking about a lot of things too, like, like just being able to be upfront and honest with yourself and, and fears that you might have, like, you know, especially now for me, like any, any big match that I go to, there's a contention that I can win. Right. So I've been struggling with that, with that kind of, that mental pressure, so to speak. And that's where I'm starting to work through all these issues because, you know, if I'm going to be where I'm going to be, like, like I got to get through this. Right. I'm going to overcome it. It's just a matter of how and when. 
So, so his books have really helped me kind of start to really look, look deep, you know, take the skeletons in the closet and sit down and say, Hey, let's, let's have a drink. Let's, let's figure this stuff out. You know? Right. So like those 4am wake up calls that you get where you're like, you start thinking about, I'm like, Hey, this is awesome. Let's, this is the time where I could actually figure some stuff out, you know? And I look forward to that now, you know, and it's, it's a lot, it's a lot better than when you wake up and you're up for an hour and a half trying to think of it. Like it's not, it's not. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? How noticeable it is? Yeah. Like right away. Cause she, that's one of her favorite books. Yeah. Awesome. I read it at least once a year. Yeah. I, I absolutely love his stuff and it is a game changer for most people. Yeah. Like, from when you first started talking about being very competitive and aggressive in volleyball and basketball, and when you guys first started talking about your foot injury, that was the very first thing that I thought of was relentless. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, it, and it's, it's got to be. that. Well, that was my, in my injury, right? I was in the hospital for a month. I wasn't allowed to walk for three months because I broke my pelvis and they had to put it back together. Um, there were a lot of, there were a lot of, a lot of tough days, you know? A lot of tough days, especially in the hospital. I wasn't, and I, I got my knee repaired then, and you know, I had a, I had a surgery a couple of years later for a hernia um, from the initial surgery. But like, I remember sitting in that hospital bed, and, and you know, listen, you get emotional. Like, I'm not a crier, but I cried, right? Because yeah. I thought, I thought my life as I knew it was over, right? So there were a lot of days where I had that, and I, I would say to myself, "All right, I'm going to have my pity party, right? I'm going to." Take this time to really feel that emotion and, and, and get through it. And then once I'm done, I'm going to get back to work and I'm trying to make myself, I'm going to come out the best I've ever come out. You know, I don't care what the injury is. I don't care about anything else. Like I'm going to make sure that I come out better than I ever have. And, and thank God, like, like that's, you know, all the, all the time effort. I mean, it, I feel that way to this day. You know, the injury, the, the, dis- the disability, if you want to call it that, like, doesn't stop me from doing anything. I would get, I would say most people have no idea that you even have a disability. Yeah. So like Ben Ben and Juancic, they I think they were coaching me for like a year and a half before I think Ben like I think I told Ben about it earlier, but Juancic didn't even know. He was like, right. hey, you what you can't move like through <laughs> 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 them there and 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 they were talking because they did my review together. And and he's he's like he's Ben was like yeah this is the first time Hans has even known that you've ever had an injury. Well, do you remember how I found out? Was it was it during the track the A zone drill? Yes. Yeah. Like because we had- were going back and forth with times we were we were in tenths of a second of each other. Yeah, yeah. And I was getting excited, and then this fucker goes, "Well, I mean, I got a bum foot, so you better beat me." <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And then he tells me, I'm like, damn it. Well, you know, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse for me to lose, but, you know, it's, uh, it just means, it just means I got to work harder. That's all. It's working, man. I mean, even just, you know, I haven't known you that long, but you can still see the progression. Appreciate it, man. I mean, it's, it's skyrocketed. And I think, Everything you're doing, uh, extra is helping, like being part of PSTG. And not, I don't mean Rob's not just a member. Rob is a moderator, right? You're, uh, you're a reviewer too, right? No, no, I'm not a reviewer. Um, not yet, at least. I, I you know, 
my my intention with with PSTG is to put myself in a position that if the opportunity arises that they need more people, that that I'm there. Like that was why I put like first person to volunteer for the summit. Like you know, and I will help out as much as I possibly can. You know, so so um, I imagine it'll go that route. You know, I have um, no doubt. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't want to really leave it to chance if I don't. If I don't. If I can avoid that, right? Right. Um, yeah. The 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 eventual thing is that I is that I become an instructor with them and in whatever capacity, and I start start helping out more. I told them if they need more video content, like I can make more video content. I try to be um I try to be active with people, you know, in the same way I was active with you guys, like helping people out. Mm-hmm. It's not about yeah. It's not about Anything other than the fact that I that I enjoy this and I enjoy helping people succeed too. All right. Well, speaking of people that we train and kind of look up to, who would you say in the gun world as a shooter do you look up to? I mean, I mean, Ben and Hwansik for me have been there. There are a lot of people that have been influential for me personally, like. Going back to the beginning, I mean, even even before I was competing, like TPC was was influential in the sense of it got me thinking about. I was always performing at the top of the the Timmy class, you know. I was always one of the top, one of the best guys there, and it's like, I see this next level available, and I'm like, huh. So they got they got me thinking about that. They're 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 the ones that initially got me starting to compete the next year. Um, that first year I trained with Vogel. Right, so I went to his place, trained with him, and uh, he's he was always super helpful, and you know that I took a lot out of that training, and 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 basically got it implanted in my in my mind that I that was the time that I could do it, you know, like hey, this is worth this is worth taking the time to go and put that time and effort, into it. like whatever it takes, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, meeting Ben was meeting Ben was a great thing for me, um, you know. You'd heard people, you hear things about Ben, right? Like, like before you meet him. Before. Right? I'd heard things and, uh, but I'd never gotten that impression by looking at PSTG. Right. So I'd look at PSTG and I'd see like, I'd see a guy that's straightforward, but I don't see a guy that's an asshole. Right. I see a guy that really cares enough to tell you, well, this is what you're doing wrong and this is what you need to do to fix it. Right. Without so, a whole. Yeah, yeah, no bullshit. Like he'll right. he'll he's just as likely to tell you something was amazing as he is to tell you his horseshit. Like that's just you can appreciate that level of truth. Right? And and, and truth be told, if you're if you're approaching it the right way, it's only feedback. Criticism or feedback is your own is your own construct of your mind. You know? If he's giving it to you honestly, it's up to you to take it as feedback and not criticism. That's just the way it is. But him, him and Hwansik have been been huge for me. Like, like, you know, I was just I was just with with Hwansik and and Christian, right? So we were just we were just training last week. It, we were able to get a ton out of it, you know. So I'm really appreciative of the, of the two of them. Christian also, I mean, I met, I've I've met him and talked to him a couple of times. We actually walked nationals together. Like, we actually got to spend a good amount of time together. He's a, he's a great dude too. He's always been super helpful when I ask him a question, you know. Um. JJ's helped out. They've all contributed something, right? JJ helped me helped me really start to pay attention to, um, you know, bump transition exits, that kind of thing. You know, um, that was a big thing for me to be able to, to be able to learn and understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, there's no real one person, but 
but there's a whole bunch of people that have been influential. Yeah. No, we, so Ben was my first, <laughs> Ben was my first, <laughs> uh, he was my first formal instructor outside my initial training. Sure. Like first competition focused instructor that I'd ever taken a class with ever. Yeah. And, um, there was no PSTG at that time. It didn't exist. So you just had the books, the videos, and everyone's opinion of them. And I met Ben at a bar first before the class, the night before the class. I didn't think he was an asshole. And, you know, taking that, you know, if you're okay getting exactly what you need from him, feedback. Yeah. Right? So when I did something, I mean, I blazed a stage. Blazed. I walked up to him. I'm like, uh, nothing. He goes, what the fuck am I going to say? It was good. Like, oh, that's it. He goes, yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, that was good. Nothing to work on. Let's go and learn something else. Something else. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. And we've, uh, me and you, we've trained with a lot of the same people, and I'm the same way, man. I start pulling things from, you know, each person has something to offer that really resonates with me, and that's how it should be. That's exactly how it should be, you know. Another, funny story, when I first met Ben, right, it was uh, Homestead Training Center, and it was April of 2019, and I know he get, I know he got to the range about an hour early, right, so I got to the range even earlier. Right. I, I don't know. I was, he was there at eight. I was there at seven thirty, seven fifty. Right. So he finally gets there, walks in, whatever. So I say hello. And he, he literally looks at me. He's like, Rob, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it's like an hour and a half before the, before we start. <laughs> I said, well, I'm fucking crazy. So, so there's that, you know, my first interaction with, with, with Ben, like in a, in a face to face fashion. <laughs> it was funny. That's the most Ben answer ever. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. yeah pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing too is 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 what's important also is having the support of other people too. So like like everybody you know people that follow me the people that that take the time to comment you know that ask me questions like those people are super important also because they keep you you guys kind of keep me motivated to keep doing better so I can do better for everybody else too you know because because in the in in the scheme of things yeah I'll accomplish my my goals as an individual. But the the ultimate legacy is to be able to give it all back. You know that's that's the intention to be able to really like help people succeed at achieving their goals. That's the bigger picture of it. So. Well, you can't escape that. That's the trainer in you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I, mean, I like. That's what got me on Instagram too. Like that, even without you reaching out, that you're still helping people with that you don't even realize are looking at your stuff. Yeah. 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 It's Oh. Say again, Jack. Oh, I'm sorry. As I said, because you put a lot of really good stuff out, a lot of really good videos, not just match footage, but, you know, your, you know, your gear and, you know, talking about, you know, running around your gym with your gear on and, you know, different things that you try. There's, um, what is that one called? The rubber band? That's one of the questions we had come in. Yeah. So a couple guys, more than, more than a couple text us about the rubber band drill. And they're like, we've seen the video. Uh, maybe we're just stupid. 
but he's still really fast, and we don't quite understand it. So this is going to be a little challenging, but uh, you're a damn good instructor, so I have no doubt that you'll be able to kind of walk through audio listeners on what exactly the rubber band pause technique is for your blazing fast reloads. So, so the way that I came up with this, um, when I first was starting to get faster reloads, I was pretty much throwing the mag in the gun, right? Um, now it worked out well because I put a lot of time into it and I didn't really have many, many mistakes. Um, but Ben had pointed out in a review, like, Hey, listen, like, you know, you, you want to, you want to add a confirmatory pause into, into the, the reload, right? It's just a, Hey, it, I know it's going in or Hey, it's not going in. I, I can fix it. Right. So at the time I was working with, uh, with, uh, Megan Sullivan, who's my mental coach. Um, and she was talking about cues, like try to figure out cues for things to get, to get your body to do what it is that you want to do. Um, so the cue that I came up with for reloads was rubber band pause. So like, if you picture your, your, your shooting platform, like you, when you're holding a gun aimed on target as an outstretched rubber band, right? Every, everybody's done this. They've all shot a rubber band at somebody, right? So that's, that's the outstretched rubber band is your shooting platform. Okay. Now, you know, you let that rubber band goes and it snaps and it goes flying, right? The snap of that. So basically the let go and snap is you snapping to your magazine and bringing it up to the gun. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're saying when the rubber band is fully extended, yeah. that is you at full extension with pistol ready to shoot. And then, and then the snap back is... Snapping, you snapping to the mag as fast as you can, grabbing the mag and bringing it up to the gun. Yeah. Literally as fast as you can. Right? Um, the pause part of it is once you get up to the mag well, it's that confirmatory pause step. Now, that doesn't mean stop. That's not like a Burkett load, right? I don't like Burkett loads because I don't, I feel like it, it creates an overconfirmation in your, in your mag change forever. You know, I don't, I never really cared for that. Um, it doesn't make it wrong. It's just, just wasn't my preference. So I came up with a pause, right? So, so the pause is a, a programming step, meaning the mag, the mag is up by the mag well. Is the magazine going in? If the answer is yes, there's no reason to wait. Put the mag in the gun. Right. If the answer is no, you put the mag where it needs to be to go in and you insert the mag. Like that's it makes it simple. Like there's no stressing about it. Oh, I bumped this or whatever. Or I, or I missed the mag well, you know, a little bit like you have full control up to this point, up to the mag well. And now you just put it where it needs to be or it's there. It's served. Like don't waste time. Um, and at that point, you could basically choose your confirmation level for Kind of like we choose a confirmation level for, for what we want to see on target. All right. It's the same thing. Like I could literally choose to stop the mag in the gun, in the mag wall if I want to, you know, and in practice, you can vary that seeing, seeing everything and stopping it to just like literally seeing, like I see the, the witness holes on the, on, on the magazine as, as it's going in at full speed, you know, Does that kind of answer the question. No, it's perfect. So I, I think that's what a lot of people are, uh, that's what a lot of people were missing, right? Everyone thinks that you pause every time. That's not necessarily true in that fraction of a second. If you know the mag is where it needs to be, there's really no visible pause. No, no, you'll see if you, so, so I have a video on YouTube of four aces, right? Where I did it for PSDG. Take a look 
and slow down the video to quarter speed on any of the, any of the four aces runs that I do in that in that video. It looks blazing fast, but you'll see a point where that magazine has a precise kind of deceleration. It doesn't stop per se, but there will be a point where it's starting to kind of get guided into the magwell, right? And you'll see a noticeable deceleration. Quarter speed. Make sure you take a look at that. You'll see, you'll see what I mean. It looks is like it on, I'm not. Is it on your channel? Yeah, it's on my channel. Rob Epifani is my channel too. So what I'll do was that live fire you said? That's dry fire. It was uh it was like a four ace tips and discussion video. It was Perfect. like a type of video. I'll link it in the description below. So anybody that wants to check it out, they can just YouTube will let you quarter speed it uh right on there so it's perfect to watch it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's perfectly explained. I think that's where a lot of people got the hiccup. I only know this because I actually got to train next to you and have you explain it to me. So it was a little different. But everyone's like, he's so fast. I'm like, well, he's not fucking up. The pause part is really, like, noticeable when the mag's not where it needs to be. Another good way another good way to think of it, and I initially thought of it this way first, rush, rush to the mag, relax into the gun. That's another way that it works. So like, like I remember, I remember when I first started really getting the consistency part down, like, like that, it was like, I felt a distinct, like, Hey, I got to get this mag fast. Like I, I like so fast. Right. But then as, as it's coming up to the gun, you feel the sense of relaxation and start to get closer to the back. Well, like it's a very distinct shift in, um, in how <laughs> my dog's barking, um, a very distinct, very distinct shift. Um, a very distinct shift in in, in how it feels. Well, no, I mean, yeah, that makes so when we teach people to draw fast, right? Where do most people save a lot of time on the draw to begin with? Reacting to it, reacting in hand speed, right? Exactly, getting to the gun and getting the gun out of the holster is where most people save most time on their draw. And it's the same thing. If you can get to your mag faster, doesn't mean you have to throw your mag in faster because you've already saved a lot of time getting to it. I checked. Uh, I checked my time. So I so I use the shooter's global timer to um, check how fast I can seat the mag in a gun. And it was in the like it was like point five one, like point five three. So so that's that's free time. Like if you can, if you can get it that, like that's the idea. So we're going to ask about another drill, which is the one that we spent a lot of time on, huh? which would be your sewing machine drill. Yeah, sure. What do you want to know about? Well, people just want to know what it is. So my original fascination before reloads was um, was being able to shoot very fast, as many shots as I wanted to, without what I love. And, and being able to, yeah, right? It's it's cool, man. It, like people, people are fascinated with speed, right? I remember I watched like defensive guys. They do like surgical speed shooting kind of drills, and they shoot like five, five shots, like you know, quarter of a second a shot. And I was like, wow, that was awesome. You know, they're able to keep it in a three-inch circle at like three yards. So like that became that became an obsession. Um, so I tried to figure out what I needed to do to be able to make that happen more routinely, right? So the sewing machine drill, the, the premise behind it, um, and I actually just posted on, on PSDG from the class I did yesterday in my gun handling podcast topic. 
about like this drill in particular. So if anybody's on PSTG, take a look in the, 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 the episode, I think it was episode 23, gun handling. I just posted that on there. Um, of me doing this. Let's pause real quick. This isn't us, Rob and I shilling. We're both members. We're not shilling for PSTG. Oh. Uh, but it should kind of give you an in- inclination that it- it's worth it. Even at like the lowest level, well worth it. And that's, that's where I started, right? I started as a bronze member. And right. then once I met Ben, my, my, my intention was, how do I get along with him as an, as, as an instructor? And how good, how valuable is the feedback you provide? I signed up on the second, the beginning of the second day. He said, so, he said, oh, I probably should show you this because you're probably going to go a little crazy. And yeah, I signed <laughs> up that day. You know? So we'll get back to it. That's not a show. It's just, I want you guys to know that we both find a lot of value in it. Absolutely. So. Sewing machine. The idea, the idea is that you're looking for a result, right? Pretty much everybody can, can picture an automatic sewing machine in their mind, right? Pretty much go straight down, straight up. Like that's, that's what it is. So your your mind, your subconscious mind especially works on images very well, right? Conscious mind tends to work more on words. Subconscious works on images. So my my thought process was how like how like how do I get this gun to look like a sewing machine and recoil? You know, come straight back, minimal rise, return right back to the same spot every time. And Initially, the way that I tried to do that was literally by trying to do one shot, right? Like, do one shot, just look for that that effect, right? And then it turned into, okay, well, let me start doing a progressive, like, acceleration as I started to see this thing happen. Does that make sense? Yep. So, so I'm looking for the sewing machine effect in my mind. My My subconscious is automatically trying different things in my grip, right, how I'm standing to try to get that to happen more, right? At that point, once I start to see it, I start increasing the speed to see if it, if it stays or if it breaks. If you're doing everything correctly and the gun is really returning that consistently, you can literally shoot the gun as fast as you want, and that, that gun is going to return to the same spot every time. You know? So, so and the way it ha- the way it was is it starts slow, like in the sense of like deliberate 0.5, 0.4, right per shot, and then once you start to hit that 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 effect where the gun comes straight back and goes straight forward and returns to the same spot, that's when I start to build the trigger speed, right 0. 0.3, 0.25, 0.2, 0.16, 0.14, 0.13. I initially did this with an M P for flat for people in flat. Hey, no, watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was that that that, that gun was god awful, but hey, I mean, hey. it worked. It worked. It worked for a long time. But um, well, you you brought the the other Smith and Wesson that time we were playing with. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was god awful. <laughs> but so that that was the premise behind it. And I, basically, what I would do is I would do thirty to forty rounds a session like that, right? Because I got ten round mags, I'd do three to four mags of it every session, and and eventually it got to the point where I could literally, you know. Two inch, two inch circle, you know, at, at five yards, seven yards, like real, real simple. I actually went to Travis Haley's class before I started competing and he said, like, they were all like filming, like slow motion video. Cause it was just very interesting for them to see how fast I was able to shoot that gun. They basically said that that was the first full auto MMP they'd ever seen. 
<laughs> well, clearly mm. Travis hasn't seen mine. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, the first may not Who's be the last. Who's a lot of right? in the world? What's that? First may not be the last, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but that that was the premise behind the drill. Similar, it's similar to Hwansik's measurement drill, except except you're looking for a visual result, not not trying to to feel a certain feeling, right, of return. That makes sense. Right. It's still a grip drill. Yes. So, and that's what I think a lot of people get confused when we say, and I I actually use that drill in teaching all the time. Because everybody wants to be like, it's got to shoot flat. Like, I really don't give a shit how much a gun recoils. What I give a shit about is does it come back to zero? That's important. That's more important than, oh, this thing shoots flat. I don't care about that. It's redundant. It has to recoil, right? It has to do it. A little bit, at least. Right. You know? It's going to. Even me. I mean, I'm a big dude. A little 9 millimeter is not going to look like it recoils, but if we crank the speed way down and slow-mo, it still rises. Absolutely rises. You, yeah. you cannot stop. Right. Try to stop it. That's when you get that's when you get tension induced there. Like that's just So we talked about your break doing your crazy fast reload. That was like your break. Uh after we did that little session, my break in shooting for live fire would be to do the sewing machine drill on a paster. Yeah. So that was yeah. my, like I became obsessed with like making the paster disappear. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, this is and that helped refine my grip. Because and it's also subconscious, right? And it's and it's visu- visually driven, right? My my return, so like I don't, my return is actually an automatic return based upon how I set my joint, right? So my wrist cam, right, is is what I what I use to set the amount of pressure needed to get the gun to just return back to normal, right? You know, um, so locking my 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 wrist, so. I watched Jerry Mitchell's How to Shoot a Pistol, like, way back in the day, and he talked about locking his wrist over center, right, or wrist cam, as we, as, as some of us might know it. Um, and I started doing that. I'm like, wow, the gun actually returns really well when I do this. You know, so that's basically what got me started with that. And then I used a little bit of Vogel's fork. I used some, some, old, uh, some pressure between the ring and pinky finger into the heel of the hand to keep the, the, the firing hand wrist locked and the gun snug so that the, the finger has a place to go. Um, basically, the gun doesn't move when you feel resistance in the trigger, right? You know, all these things, a little bit of, like I said, yeah, the rotation there, wrist cam, um, crush on the support hand, hold with the firing hand, or snug the gun with the firing hand. Like, it's a whole conglomerate of, of a bunch of different grip methods. But it basically produces an automatic return for me. Like when everything is set, the gun will rise up a little bit and return right back to the same spot. That that's the goal. Like that should be the goal for everyone. <laughs> I mean, it's really that simple. You want to shoot two alphas, you should have an acceptable sight picture. You should be able to pull the trigger, get an alpha, and have it return back there and repeat the process. Like it's it really is that simple. And then every time, every time I would run that class, run that drill in a class, after that, everybody shot significantly better, accurate and fast. Because now recall is no big deal. Once recall becomes no big deal, you start to relax. Once you trust your grip, you start to become more confident. 
you know, you become more confident, your whole body releases the tension it had, and now you shoot faster and more accurate. You're not worried about it. Yeah, people paint recoil as this big, giant, like, big boss baddie they got to fight all the time. It's a poodle at best. Like, it's a byproduct. The data is, right, 9-millimeter recoils with about 9 pounds of force. 40 and 45 are only 16 and 17 pounds, respectively. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not a significant amount more, right? It's not gonna, it's not gonna beat you up any, any, like really much more than, than nine would. Right. You know, well, so my, all, let's for my production gun to my limited M&P, full power factory 40 versus hand loaded nine millimeter and my slits are still in the 12 to 15. I, I mean, shot recoil. Uh, when I was over there. And I, I don't shoot 40 very often, but it was factory 40 PMC. Like, no big deal. Like, because the return is automatic. If there's a little bit more power in the, in the, in the cartridge, like, I'm just going to apply a little bit more of that camming action and the gun's going to come back down. So I'm actually set to the point where, like, I physically can't push the gun down low without my body doing it. Right? So, so my sights are aligned with my wrist locked and my wrist cam, and it can't go any lower without me physically pushing for my arms or my or my core action type. So, how did you find that cam spot for you? Was it through the measurement drill? Say again. How did you find that sweet spot? You keep talking like that's where your hand cams for your automatic return. How did you find that for you? Oh, for me, I I just. So the test that I give people, right? If you're, if you're gripping your gun, right? If I'm set up and I have my full grip, if I loosen my right hand, right? From the grip, if I can rotate the gun down with my left hand, I don't have it close to, close to the mechanical lock. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So that's, that's how your left hand can adjust to the gun. Right now, for some people, that's not necessarily comfortable. Right, so that's that's a consideration. Right, the principle behind that really that return is more so the the forearm, but for most people, if uh, an actual mechanical lock with their wrist cam down is actually easier to conceptualize. Okay. Right, because it's it's basically a physical. Hey, you can't really push your wrist down anymore. So that that's fine. Um, you're you're not. It's not going to happen anymore. Whereas a neutral wrist requires you to be very aware of your core muscles and not adding or 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 decreasing any tension that you're applying to it, right to keep that same kind with the firing hand it, it, it's it's because it's attached to the sights the way that I the way that I would get that wrist lock right is I would point the gun out right and I would actually cam bring the the gun all the way down right and then what I would do is I would adjust the other joints, the, the elbow or the shoulder joint, to be able to bring the sights back into view. And that's, that's a little, that's the hard part for people to understand, you know, because it requires you to move your body around to get the sight picture again while having the wrist locked in that manner. Right? But, uh, but once I got those two things there, and that's why I talk about the, the pressure and the pinky and the ring finger too. Because that helps lock the wrist in place on the fire. That was one of the tips that you actually gave me one the last time we did one of my dry fire videos. And I have been using it. I actually have like this like gnarly little 
blister that I got from uh, <laughs> from doing it right between my pinky and my ring finger. Just the way that it sat on one spot on the grip, just like a little triangle. Yep. That's awesome. That's oh yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it was very helpful, and I still use that grip now, but pain free because you know I worked it in. California. Yeah, well, that's, that's all. What is a blister becomes a callus if you keep working it. Yeah. Right. You know, as you can see by my ugly calluses on my fingers. But um, yeah, that helps out a lot. You know, especially being able to being able to press the trigger pretty hard. You know, especially if it's snugged into the where the forearm bone comes into the palm. Right now, you have a resistance for when you do whack the trigger that the gun isn't going to move in your hand because it's too loose. You know, that gives you a place to put the pressure too, so you you still have dexterity of your index finger. While uh, while being able to grip the gun reasonably hard, if you want to, I like it. Um, here, well, man, there's a lot of questions here. I'm just going to rapid fire some for you real quick. Uh, Matter how much time? <laughs> what's that? Matter how much time we have, I'll answer all of them. All right. Um, favorite gun? Well, I mean, I shoot the Shadow Twos, so that's probably my favorite for now. <laughs> All right, well, that out. So Shadow 2, uh, briefly go over what's done to it, because there are people that are obsessed with gear, and they think gear makes the shooter, but I'm here to tell you the Shadow 2, where's Rob? Rob does not wear the Shadow 2. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could do the same thing with the MP I do with the Shadow 2. But um, So what do I have done to him? So I have an 11.5-pound mainspring, 10-pound recoil spring, Reach reduction kit. Um, some some of the guns have a trigger reduced power trigger return spring. Some of them don't. My match gun actually doesn't. It. it just has a standard one. And I have the the race hammer kit, but that was more of a uh, hey something broke, so so I need to replace it with something. Better. You know, that that's it. You know that all all three guns are configured that way. Uh, some of them have the 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 over travel and pre travel screws in. Some of them don't. Like I don't really focus much on that. I actually find them to be more annoying. Because they back out and then they cause a problem and that's not that's not acceptable. Um, but they're all yeah they're all lock grips. I have I have just the regular G10 lock grips on them. And uh, you know as far as base pads on the mags, I use the Hennings, the Henning uh, Pro Production ones. God, I, I love his base pads. They're awesome. I have <laughs> I have some like mags and every single mag has one. Yeah, one of them on. Worst gun you've ever owned. First gun I've ever owned? I would say the Shadow 2, but whatever. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a bunch of guns. I'm trying to trying to think of one that I really didn't like. I did have a Mac 11, an M11 dash, uh, you know, slash 9 or whatever. That was a piece of shit, but it was cool. <laughs> it was a big piece of shit. Like, I, I bought it because it was just like a fuck you New York gun. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. A pre, it was a pre-band, pre-band gun, like, and, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, this is cool to just have, but it's, yeah. it was a piece of shit. It's not terrible. And, <laughs> I'm going to own oh. this because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sold it I a little bit later to some dude in Connecticut who was interested in it. So people have preconceived notions about New York, you know, speaking of, like, certain guns that aren't allowed and pre-band and pistol permits and all sorts of things. Um what is the biggest challenge living in such an anti-2A state? 
being so, a shooter. So, so New York and it's New York. So New York has a couple of different places that we that we label right. Long Island is where I'm from. Um, New York City or the city is like the middle section, the cesspool, so to speak, right? And then upstate New York is upstate, like it's 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 north of the city. Upstate New York, most of Long Island, including where I'm at, is really not any different than any other free state, right? It's the cesspool that really ruins it, right? New York, New York City can literally sink off into the ocean. I'd be I'd be happy. Right? That's how we think Chicago. Uh, yeah, yeah, That's how Chicago much. is for us. Same kind of thing, right? Um, I think, I mean, for me, as far as the shooting community, there's a pretty big shooting community. I mean, our local matches get about 90 to 100 shooters. So and there are a bunch of clubs around that, you know, that, that do hold good matches within an hour, hour drive from me. Um, finding a range, a good range is a hard thing. Um, the range I'm a member of, uh, LIPSA or Long Island Practical Shooting Shooters Association. Um, I've been been a member three years and like like it's awesome there. Like I go there whenever I want and train. That's that's where all my videos, my live fire videos are taken. Right. And they put on good matches and we're where a bunch of us are all over all over the country, you know, shooting majors. Um the pistol permit law is below. Um so in New York, technically speaking, you can't even touch a pistol unless you have a permit. And it's a whole to do if you want to go buy a handgun. So you have to make like a trip to the gun store and then you have to go back to the licensing place that you got to put it on your license. Like you take the serial number and put it on your license. Right. Then they give you a document which you go back, you know, and now you have to pick up the gun. Right. And then it's just all, it's all the other, other stupid laws, you know, the quote unquote assault weapons ban that they originally had that was, you know, or the, the safe act as they call it, that they, that they passed. They made a whole bunch of guns basically illegal. You know, that were illegal before that. So they basically just changed the bar. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, retarded. Um, you, you could register the guns, but you know, they had like 4% registered out of the many, many gun owners that they had, whatever. You can make it compliant, like, and compliant is like that, that Thorson stock where you have that like ugly, like saddle that comes underneath the gun. You have to take the, the the muzzle device out and put a barrel, like a crown barrel, like, or you could just fix the magazine, and then you have to load everything from the top every time. You have to break the gun apart. Ooh, like how California did with the freedom button. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't even allow <laughs> they didn't even allow bullet button, which is even worse. You know, so I mean, those those are all the liberal policies. Like that's those are the things that suck. And is it is it ten rounds is the capacity limit or fifteen? Ten? Ten. Ten. Is that why you chose production as your division as opposed to doing like open ten or limited ten? Well, I originally did production. Originally my intention was to do limited limited minor from concealment. That was my original because I like Gabe White. I saw Gabe White, like you know, I was a defensive guy and I was teaching more defensive stuff at the time and I'm like Oh, it'd be cool to do it from concealment because you could shoot USPSA limited from, from concealment. Um, either, either way, we're all 10 rounds here, but, uh, we actually, we didn't have, if I remember correctly, we didn't, we didn't allow in the waistband holsters at the range that, that I'm at. So like during competition. So I was like, well, production's the next thing. You know, it's the next closest thing. And then that's, that's where I'm at now. And that's where I'm staying for a little bit. 
Uh, someone wants to know if you practice yoga. If I practice yoga, uh, I did for a while. Um, I did probably for a year. I was doing it three times a week for about 20 minutes. I am notoriously inflexible, so I did not get significantly better. <laughs> but uh, but I did, I did practice it for a bit, yeah. And probably help getting those nags off the floor at 6 a.m. when you're dry firing. Yeah, that's, that's a universal <laughs> Like I, I'm just, I'm not a happy camper at 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I should say my body's not happy. I'm All right, so let's uh, just a couple more here. Any tips on getting better with transitions with iron sights? Okay. Uh, There's a lot. There's a lot to that. Um, Target focus all the time, right? Doesn't matter if the target's three yards or fifty yards, big or small. Target focus will always be better for you. Especially when we're outdoors, the, the light is very, um, uniform. So if you focus on the target, you can see your sights pretty clearly and they're alive. Right? They're not going to be 100% clear like a front sight focus, but they'll be clear enough that you know where the shots are going. Right? Vision being the fastest thing possible, like your head and eyes are literally moving at, as fast as you can. Right? You, if, if your head and eyes are tracking with the gun, you're, you're behind already. You have to spot the next target immediately. Um, being very precise where you look is important, right? Try to try to pick a spot like a, like you know the size of a paster or smaller. So if you're at a match and you the, a target's pasted up, you can actually choose a specific paster. And that's usually kind of helpful. Or even if there's like a discoloration, like where you have the paster has a little bit of white off that that's ripped off of the brown, you could choose those spots. Um, learning how to time the exit that's important. Right, so being able being able to know that the bullet has left the barrel and you can start start doing this whole eye gun thing, those things uh, that's a very important part. And uh, before you even feel recoil, the bullet's already left the barrel. Something, something to understand. A lot of people like like they don't realize how hard it is to actually yank the gun off target if you're trying to transition hard. Like that was one thing JJ taught me, and that was that was helpful. Um, after that, just being relaxed in your shoulders and, and basically letting, letting the hands come to where your eyes are looking. Think of it like, it's like, it's like driving a car, right? You have to accelerate off, right? You hit a top speed at some point during that travel, or maybe you don't get a chance to because it's too short. And then you have to decelerate into a clean stop, right? If you try to stop, stop the quote unquote car when you have 10 feet left and you're going 60 miles an hour, you're going to crash. Right, you're going to over transition. Best case, you have to wait for it to come back. Worst case, you get bad hits. I dig it. I totally agree with the target focus. That's something I've been working on lately, so I'm very excited about it. Hashtag right. that. <laughs> it's super helpful though. Like, like some people can do. Like, if you're doing a transition oriented drill, like on the last target, whatever it is you transition onto for the last target, you do your two shots. Take a second and, and pay attention to where your vision is actually looking. Meaning, where are you focused and where are you actually looking on the target? Are you looking to the center or are you in the, or were you in the bottom left corner of the A zone? Like that kind of, that kind of level of detail. You know, by, by starting to catch yourself doing it incorrectly, now you can start to try and fix it. Figure That's out. Smart. 
about the last target, like really being aware of the last target. I like that. And there's also a way to figure out where your gun is aiming in iron sights without, without needing a laser indicator. You know, maybe I'll share that another time. Maybe. <laughs> uh, well, dude, I think, yeah, we're, man, we're over an hour. It doesn't even feel like that. <laughs> um, well, dude, where can they find you? Cause I know you're training more and more. So, so the best place, honestly, to get in touch with me is Instagram at Rob Epiphania. Uh, reach out to me. If you have questions, you want to set something up, like that is the best place that I usually answer quickly. You know, cause I'm on and off at most of the day with people asking questions and, uh, I usually check it periodically and try to make sure I answer questions as much as I can. Even if, even if you don't follow me, if I get a request and it's, you know, it's a, it's a question somebody has, I'll try to make sure I take time to answer it properly. Um, website, like I said, the website hasn't really been updated in a while, so I have, that's something I have to do. Uh, but you're not gonna, I won't, I won't, that's not gonna give you the information that, that Instagram will give you. If anybody wants to email me, it's rob.epiphania at gmail.com. You guys put that in the description if you want, I can give you, um, those are the two best ways. I'll get back to you, Rob. Props on your website though, because I went and looked on it. And uh, anybody that puts a uh, picture of themselves shooting an og, yeah, dude, that was that was from a car class. Like I, I <laughs> Modern Defensive Training Systems was the first company I, I took classes as a student, right? Um, and then I, I was working as an instructor with with the guy for many years, and that was like my second carving class. I brought I brought the it was an MSR, that was an MSR, and then I brought an FS two thousand. <laughs> Dude, it looked just like my Battlefield Three gun that I that I that I competed Excellent. with. <laughs> <laughs> cool. They they're fun. The Tactical Tuna was the FS two thousand. That's what yes. we called it. Yep. <laughs> cool, yeah. man, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys. I appreciate you guys taking the time. You know, yeah, it was great. a lot of fun. It's great catching up with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Lots and lots of tips. I'm going to be doing an awful lot of training this week, listening to the podcast and following along with what you're telling me to do. And I suggest everyone else does too. Yeah, and if you guys ever have questions, you you always can reach out to me too. You know, and then maybe we do this again at some point. Absolutely. Can absolutely do it again. Because then we already have stuff to talk about next time because he excluded stuff on purpose. (laughs) Yeah, secret sauce. That's right. Part two. Coming to a podcast near you. <laughs> yes. Happy to do it, guys. Cool. Awesome, brother. Uh, well, I will uh, I'll text you later. Yes, man. Well, I appreciate your time, guys. Thanks so much. All right, man. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Tell me. I don't know which one. <laughs>